Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. little motel when in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime you have a vacancy oh we have 12 vacancies you know this is the first place it looks like it's hiding from the world i think that we're all in our private traps clamped in them And none of us can ever get out. Is anyone at home? Oh, that, that, uh, that must be my mother. Is anything wrong? Am I acting as if there's something wrong? She's not missing so much as she's run away. Put me down. Mother, oh God, mother! What are you running away from? She looked like a wrong one to you. It's not as if she were a, a maniac. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. Welcome back to episode two of The Tragedy of Cinema. And as you can tell from the trailer that we put at the beginning, Terrence, we will be discussing one of your favorites, Psycho. By Alfred Hitchcock, yes. We thank uh, everyone very much for listening to us already. We've already hit 46 listeners in less than a week. Also, we already have three international listeners, uh, two from Australia and one from Canada. And that's pretty great for a couple of nobodies. We are nobodies. (laughs) So... um, Terrence is going to go over real quick what you can expect out of this podcast. This is going to be a little bit longer episode because there's just so much information on this movie. Uh, We want to do it justice and make sure we cover all the facts. Absolutely. There's a fountain of information for this movie. And so uh, basically what we're going to go over is um, first we're going to go over the main information, you know, stuff that's already known, uh, the cast, some of the numbers, statistics, equipment, stuff like that. Uh, And then we're going to jump from there into unknown facts and trivia. And then close it out with our opinions and then the actual closing. Also, before the closing, we ran a contest on social media that anybody that told me what they listened to the first episode on was going to be into entered into a contest to win an Alfred Hitchcock pop head yes. with on the director's cue says Psycho. Yes. Very I special believe, for our episode. I believe it's pretty cool. <laughs> so there, I have a, uh, 14 people right now. At the end, I'll give you your number and your uh, name. And then we'll run it through a random number generator. Random number generator, and uh, I'll be contacting the winner by uh, Facebook Messenger or email and let you know uh, where I need to ship it to, or you can let me know where I need to ship it to. Awesome. It's going to be great. With that being said, you ready to dive into it? Let's dive into it. Let's do it. All right, so... Obviously, today we're covering Psycho, which original release date was June 16th, 1960. Uh, premiered in New York, New York. Start spreading the news. 
Exactly. <laughs> uh, its budget was eight hundred and six thousand, uh, and then by today's conversion, uh, it made about six million. And we're just running, averaging up. Uh, Estimated yeah, numbers. estimated numbers. I didn't want to say the whole number, but, but, <laughs> but yeah, it made a lot. But only eight hundred and six thousand or eight hundred six thousand dollar budget. I mean, that's very low. Yeah. So uh, you'll you'll soon find out Hitchcock cut some corners. Uh, use some of the staff that he already had uh, for other his TV show and other sets. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Absolutely. Um, and so at the box office, uh, it made fifteen million, and by today's conversion, that's four hundred and twenty-six million. So it made way more than what it put in. So that is a massive success. Can I just say, chuching? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a lot of money. So uh, it, its runtime was about your average, hundred I'm sorry, an hour and 49 minutes, which is actually a little above because most movies around that time, an hour 30. About so 90 hour, minutes. Yeah, right? about 90 minutes. So hour 49, ran a, t- a little bit longer, just a tad bit longer. Uh, totally worth it. Uh, it was filmed with the Mitchell BNC camera, and fun fact about that, there were only about 350 made. Ever? Ever. That's impressive. Exactly. Uh, this was, <clears throat> excuse me, this was uh, recorded on 35 millimeter film, which was at some point the average, uh, what they would use. And that actually wouldn't stop being used until early 2000s. So not that long ago, it seems, uh, that they stopped using 35 millimeter. And you'll still see it every now and then. And it's more of a niche artistic choice that they use 35 millimeter. But nowadays, uh, a lot of movies use uh, DCP, which is digital cinema. Uh, I forget packaging, yeah, yeah. Uh, digital sim and packaging. Uh, basically, they look like big hard drives, and that's where movies are filmed nowadays. Uh, from that point, you know, it, they decided to shoot it in black and white at the time. Uh, artistic choice that we'll go over later and why. And then, so now we're just going to go over the synopsis and. Well, go do you know that. how many film reels it took to film Psycho? That's right. It did. It was twelve reels or. 2,971.1 meters. That's a lot of film. That's a lot of film. So we're just going to jump right into the synopsis here. Marion Kane steals crane. 40... Crane. Crane, sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry. I sometimes get ahead of myself when I read. Uh, Marion crane, crane steals 40000 from her employer's clients who was buying a house and goes on the run. Soon, paranoia sets in as she's driving and decides to check into the Bates Motel, a motel that is ran by Norman Bates and his demanding mother, and it is just the beginning of the movie. This opening scene, the first 20 minutes of the movie, it really sets the tone it for the does. rest of the movie. It's such a good start to a good movie. So the cast of this movie had some pretty famous actors and actresses. Uh, Norman Bates was played by none other than Anthony Perkins. Vera Miles, she played Lilia Crane, uh, John Gavin played Sam Loomis, Janet Lee, and yes, her name is pronounced Lee, not Lay or Leia. Uh, she played Marion Crane, and you know who played Mrs. Bates? Well, we're not going to tell you right now because we don't want to spoil the movie for you. So if you haven't seen this movie, please stop the recording right now, go watch this movie, and then come back at a later time because this movie has one of the biggest plot twist of all time and left me speechless the first time I saw it. Absolutely. With that being said, we're getting ready to get into my favorite section, the unknown facts or trivia that Terrence may or may not know and employ and do his color commentary here for us. (laughs) (laughs) Unknown facts. In this scene that has one of the most famous shower scenes of all time, Alfred Hitchcock wanted the shower scene to be silent until he heard Bernard Herrmann's score and immediately fell in love with it and changed his mind. He liked the score so much that he doubled the composer's salary to $34,501. The entire score for this movie is played entirely on stringed instruments. His music is ranked number four on AFI's 100 Years of Film Score. That is really up there. But especially... Just all on strings because today you have drums, you have all different yeah. types of. They even have special instruments. I, I I'd have to look up what it's called, but there's a special instrument that they use for horror films. It looks like a bowl of some sort. It has like strings on it or whatever, and then you just as you ring some kind of thing around it, it makes that that really scratchy <laughs> sound that you'll hear in like horror a movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really interesting. 
Um, this film, Hitchcock was so intense on making this film that the cast and crew had to raise their right hand and swear that they would not leak any of the story to anyone, the press, people, family. Hitchcock even withheld the ending of the script from them until it was time to shoot. How do you sign on for a movie? Oh, sure, I'll do this movie, but you don't have the ending. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, crazy. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty intense because, you, you know. You really kept this movie under so, lock. So a lot of these people didn't know if they were going to die, if they were going to live. They just thought it was a good movie from what they, Hitchcock gave them to read. Here's another thing. The uh, enterprise known as Walt Disney, they would not allow Hitchcock to film at Disney in the 60s because he had made, and I quote, that disgusting movie, Psycho. Disney hated it. They hated, hated it. Hitchcock I wonder, in general. <laughs> I wonder if they regret it because it made a ton of money. Oh, it made a ton of money. But, I mean, look at Disney. It's, it's a huge juggernaut. It's, they're it, not missing it. They're, yeah, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock bought the rights from the book written by Robert Block for $9,000. He also bought every copy that he could find to keep the movie's ending a secret. Can you imagine? Just trying to find every book so you could keep your movie, the ending, such a secret because the ending of this movie is so... Wow. That's he he really wanted it to impact his audience to the maximum, and he didn't want anyone. Because that's how thing, information was relayed back in the day, as people talk. And so uh, he didn't want anybody being like, oh, I read the book, and I know how this ends. And, right. you know, there's some people out there who love spoiling and, things. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit later in these notes about how uh, some other things that he did at the movie theater that was just outstanding for that time to keep people from spoiling the movie. Absolutely. Uh, Janet Lee wasn't bothered to do the shower scene. However, after watching it, she noticed how vulnerable someone could be in the shower and for the rest of her life only took baths. I feel that way in the shower sometimes. <laughs> but do you take baths? <laughs> uh, the shower head uh, was a six-foot diameter prop that blocked the central jet so that the water sprayed a cone past the camera without water spraying directly on it. Nice little knee camera trick. Yeah. I mean, especially a six-foot diameter shower head. Yeah. But you would think water getting on that camera could be really expensive to replace oh, if something absolutely. went wrong. And there was only a handful of them, so it would be extremely hard to replace. And this is one of my personal favorite facts. Psycho was the first American film to show a toilet flushing on screen. Yeah, it's a, that's a... And we'll find out why yeah. it was it, it was kept in there in the movie, because it plays a vital role in the movie later on. I mean, the 60s were big in doing things uh, that hasn't been shown on film before. Uh, there's a lot of movies that were constrained under rules at the time by the uh, the, FFC that they, the FCC that they had to follow, uh, and then slowly directors start breaking down those walls. All right, Terrence, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you know what the first television show to show a man and woman sleeping in the same bed was? I do not. Take, take a while to guess. Give me a time frame, at least. Uh, 50, 60, 70. 50, 60s? Let's go with... Hmm. I believe, if I'm not saying it, it was the Flintstones. Was it the Flintstones? The Flintstones cartoon. The Flintstones. I love the Flintstones. <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, Marion Crane has a white bra on at the opening scene. Later, after she steals the $40,000, she is shown wearing a black bra. Also in the beginning, she is shown carrying a white purse. After she steals the money, she now totes around a black purse. This was done on purpose to show that she had done something wrong. I love those little changes in movies that show sort of someone either changing or they'll either do it with clothing, with lighting. It's just, it's really cool how you can get away with that. Just little sort of uh, messages portraying your message. And honestly, I didn't really even pick up on that until I read up about it. Yeah, that's that, definitely the, the one change. that can now, pass Now you that you see it, it makes sense. Yep. The original Bates house that stood behind the motel still resides on Universal's lot. The motel has been replicated, and you can visit it on a stop from Universal Studios' tram tour. The original Bates house uh, motel uh, was relocated there. I've actually been there. That's what I was going to say. You, you want to talk about that for a second? How was it? Yeah, okay, so I, I went to Universal Studios back in, I want to say, 2000... And this is the one in California, well, not the this, one in Florida. Yeah, this is the one in California. So it was about 2012. Uh, I went over to Universal Studios with my wife and my mom. And uh, we had an amazing time. And I actually took the tour. And on the tour, you do drive past the the Bates house. And it's it's great to see. I mean... Does it, it, do they have it sitting up like on a hill or anything? Or is it's it just it's on, not on a hill, but it feels like it's on a hill, just the where it's placed. Do they have a replica of the motel down there, too? 
Uh, no, it's just the house. Just it the, is just the house. That is so um, cool. But, I mean, you get to see all kinds of cool stuff on that tour, and they show you, uh, they even show you some special effects, and then you actually get the feel for uh, when they do pyrotechnics uh, in movies on how, even though you're far away, you still really feel the heat. Huh. Uh, from those pyrotechnics, but yeah, it's it's a. If you ever get a chance to go to Universal Studios in California, they have a bunch of new attractions. They still have that tour going on. That house is still there. Uh, definitely check it out. It is worth it's the visit. On, it's on my bucket list. I just Absolutely. don't know if I can deal with the California traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the traffic does get crazy down there. Uh, needless to say, Hitchcock made a fortune with this movie. Paramount Pictures gave him a very small budget to work with and also deferred most of the box office to him in a contract because they thought the movie was going to flop. How wrong they were. He gave up his $250,000 salary for 60% of the movie's gross. Paramount was quickly to agree to this contract. Hitchcock, Hitchcock went on to make $15 million in 2016 due to inflation. That was equivalent to $120 million he made from the film. Thinking bank. I mean, took how, the money. How, he and took ran. a risk, and he, he did, and, and it, it paid, paid off. off. High risk, high, high reward. Exactly, and you know, that, that actually happens a lot more than you think. Where someone's like, "This is gonna flop." Yeah, here, whatever. Here you go, and then it turns out to be a success. But you then, wonder how many of the uh, other way works too. How many? Flops that's true. That yep. People lose a lot. How of many money people? On. You know, like, hey, I bet everything on this, and then it did not. But work all you hear about all. is the good stories. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Hitchcock once received an angry letter one time from a father who said his daughter wouldn't take a bath after seeing the movie Diabolic, and now she was refusing to take a shower after seeing Psycho. What was Hitchcock's reply? Send her to the dry cleaners. That I mean, he just, is a hilarious he fact just has that I did a, not he know about. He had a about. sense of humor. <laughs> and I just imagine that in his voice, too. Yeah. <laughs> you, you heard his voice at the beginning of the movie in the trailer, and it, it's so funny. Send her to the dry cleaners. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock has a cameo in this movie at the very beginning of the movie, uh, as he does in most of his movies. If you look closely, he is standing outside the window of the office Marion Crane works um, at in a cowboy hat. Since he was famous for always being in his movies and people would be looking for him, he wanted to be in there early so it wouldn't divert attention away from the movie. And That's I think that is choice. a very smart choice, especially with this movie with the twat plot twist and the, the details. The thriller, and the thrilling, you know, the music. What was the uh, reason he shot the film in black and white? Do you know? Yeah, I do. Uh, he thought it would be way too gory. Way if it was in too color. gory, and I think it worked out perfectly in black and white. Absolutely, it was it was an artistic choice that definitely paid off. Uh, another uh, fun fact is uh, we were talking about the what, how he was keeping this under wraps from people spoiling the ending and coming in late. So every theater had a cardboard cutout of Alfred Hitchcock pointing to his watch in the foyer. It had a note that said, The manager of this theater has been instructed at the risk of his life not to admit to the theater any persons after the picture starts. Any spurious attempts to enter by side doors, fire escapes, or ventilating shafts will be met by force. The entire objective of this extraordinary policy, of course, is to help you enjoy Psycho more. Alfred Hitchcock. There was also a record player playing music that would be interrupted every so often with 10 minutes till Psycho time, 5 minutes till Psycho time, etc. Took this movie sh uh, showing very seriously. Very serious. Not, that's not really something you see. No. But uh, and it was, for the time, you know, great. the stuff that I, I still think today that some movies could benefit a lot from keeping some stuff obscure. And well, in, in a well, day where you find out almost immediately well, who's but, cast it. And, and, I, and I blame that on social media. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. everybody has a camera on their phone. They can record anything, and you know, and just... People go see midnight showings at twelve one, and by two o'clock in the morning, they've already released the spoiler for the movie. Oh, yeah, and it's hard that. to hard to keep away from that because they just drop it everywhere. You know, you just be scrolling through Facebook or something. And bam! It yep, pops up. There it is. Ah, why did I say that? Yeah, Robert Bloch uh, wrote the book, and which is uh, Psycho is based off of uh, a novel, but he based that uh, on uh, Anthony Perkins on the real life story of Ed Gein. He is a famous serial. He is one bad dude. Terrible, terrible, awful, awful murder, grave robber, if you, cannibal, just if you ever the worst of the worst. for him, and um, I don't, if you want to, you can, but just be forewarned that the stuff that he did is very disturbing. So take that with a grain of salt, a warning label, if you will. Absolutely. Um, his acts inspired not only the book, uh, and the book inspired the movie, but it also inspired the likes of... Uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, other serial killers, too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
Hitchcock used chocolate syrup instead of blood because it showed up better on the black and white film. Got that consistency he wanted. Yep. And, it, and it really, it looked really good. Really um, good. It, very well, very right. well, yeah. It was, it was a really cheap special effect that worked. Here's something else, speaking of film. Hitchcock also used a 50mm lens on his 35mm camera when Norman is spying on Marion in the hotel. That's just awesome. to get that effect. Yeah, he, just, just to get said, the effect it's to it's switch the lens. the closest thing that you could get to your actual uh, eyesight. Oh, okay. I thought that was pretty well done. Um, we played a trailer for this film at the beginning of the podcast. The official trailer ran for over 6 minutes and 30 seconds long, which is unheard of today. I wasn't going to put the, the six-minute trailer at the beginning you of this. You do get some long trailers with some of the bigger movies. Like, Star Wars had, like, a six-minute trailer. I stay away from them, to be honest. I, I like to keep the mystery. I'll watch the, the teaser trailer. So, like, oh, here's a trailer that's, like, two minutes. Right. That gets me amped up for the movie. And then after that, I stay away from well, trailers. Well, doing six minutes, you're almost... That's a lot of the movie. Exactly. You know I mean? Especially when, you know, trailers like to put, like, the punchlines of jokes. I'm like, you'll laugh at the trailer, and then when you see it in the movie, you're like, it it's, was funny, yeah. but now I'm just kind of laughing in my head. And you always hear those people that say, oh, all the funniest parts were in Sometimes the that's true. It's sometimes it's true. The main actors were allowed to improvise on some of the roles. For instance, Anthony Perkins eating his candy corn was all improvised. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he let them be their self, you know, right. a little bit to the movie. A boy's best friend is his mother was voted number 56 movie uh, 56 um, quote of uh, of a movie of the top 100 from AFI. Marion Crane's clothes were brought at regular stores and not made. Hitchcock wanted people to relate to her and wanted her to wear something that a secretary could afford. He brought her very back down to earth. Oh yeah. I mean that's also shows the research that was put into the movie and it wanting to be authentic as possible and get the feel that you need. Right. Uh, Janet Lee wore moleskin patches when doing the shower scene, so no nudity was involved. Exactly. And and if, if, if they would have left nudity in this movie, I don't think it would have got the rating it did, and I don't think it would have been the success that it was, especially back then. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if that was allowed at the time. I don't know if that barrier was broken just right. yet uh, at that time in the 60s. I'd have to do more research and look into the, the rules I was talking about earlier. But there was a very strict rule set that they had to follow. So they had to slowly break down the walls with small stuff like uh, what we'll talk about right. later. Anthony Perkins was so typecasted from this role as Norman Bates, that he refused to talk about this movie for four years after its release. Typecasting in general is a terrible thing. Yep. There are big differences between the book Norman and the movie Norman. In the book, Norman is fat, older, wears spectacles, and is short. In the movie, he is young, handsome, and sympathetic. Uh, what's very interesting about this is uh, Hitchcock and Joseph Stefano, the man who wrote it, uh, the movie, uh, they sat down and they talked about it and then they agreed that they wanted to make the character more relatable and empathetic as you first watch the movie to make him, you know, younger and more attractive. And you know what? You do feel sorry for Norman at the beginning of the movie. And you, d Yeah, exactly. But by the end of the movie, you know Totally different story. <laughs> <laughs> this was the last film for Hitchcock for Paramount Pictures. He had moved his offices over to Universal Pictures and the movie was shot on the back lot there. Although Paramount Pictures logo is still on the movie, that's got to be some complicating like in-house politics. How did, doing that? Yeah, I mean, like I'm 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 filming this movie for you guys, but I'm I'm moving over there, and we're gonna <laughs> shoot it all on this back lot here. Yeah, even your name's gonna be on it. Yeah, the the book's Marion Crane's actual name is Mary. They changed the name in the film because they found a couple of people named Mary Crane living in Phoenix, Arizona, Arizona, where this movie is taking place. So they didn't want everybody to bombard the Mary Cranes of the Phoenix, Arizona, you know Probably what I'm saying? Probably for the best. Yeah. In a foreshadowing of Hitchcock's next movie, The Birds, which is another fantastic Hitchcock movie. Oh, yeah. Way, there are several references to them in this movie. Marion Crane, Norman's stuffing of birds, and even Norman telling Marion that she eats like a bird. So many references. So many. I, I, so, it's like, stuff you don't pick up on when you watch it, but exactly. then you go back and... And what's really interesting is uh, about this fact is as he's directing this movie, he already has in mind what he wants to do next. Right. Uh, that's fascinating. I mean, they have said uh, – people who've talked to Hitchcock uh, have said talking to this man about film is like opening an encyclopedia. The man was just a wealth of knowledge and he knew he, – he was a genius when it came to film. 
Yep. I, I have to agree by seeing some of the movies. I mean, he has some of the most famous movies in history. Absolutely. This was actually Sir Alfred Hitchcock's first horror movie. And I think he knocked it out of the park. And he definitely set the tone for future horror movies. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And you'll find out here in a little bit one famous horror film that was so... What's the word I'm looking for? Inspired. Inspired by Very Psycho. Inspired. And you'll you'll see the connection. There's special connections to that movie. We'll get to it in a minute. Uh, Joseph Stefano was adamant about having the toilet scene on screen to display realism and even see it flush. Hitchcock didn't mind, he said, but he had to write it into the movie to make it work. So when Marion rips up the paper uh, and flushes it down the toilet, it was such an integral part of the movie that it had to stay in. And this is, going back to what I was talking about earlier, this is part of just the little thing that starts breaking down those barriers that keeps uh, movies from going fully uh, exploring artistic, uh, different avenues of artistic uh, uh, filming. Um, And so something just as small as ripping up a piece of paper, throwing it in the toilet, and flushing it, that's never it's been iconic. done, and now it's done. Right. And that, that wall is now broken down. To be the first down. to doing something else. Exactly. This was the highest grossing movie of Alfred Hitchcock's career. That I'm not, I mean, it, it, it made a lot of money. I mean, when we went over that earlier, that's, right. the numbers are astounding. Here's something you may not know. The Bates House was based on the painting House by the Railroad that was painted in 1925 by Edward Hopper. I'm going to have to look at that painting because I did not know that. awesome. The, 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 uncanny resemblance you can see it where he got it from joseph stefano when writing the screenplay was in therapy dealing with his relationship with his own mother that's i wonder how much of that played into (laughs) the part of this movie i mean it definitely had to uh inspire some of the writing in some way oh it had to but i just i don't even want to know what was said behind those closed doors because how much made into the movie Janet Lee had only three weeks to work in this movie and spent one whole week of it working on the shower sequence. How yeah, did she pull that off? I mean, that's, I mean, the shower, the, how long it took to film the shower sequence alone, especially because when you watch it, it's, it's very quick and, um, which was masterfully filmed by the way. Uh, but it, it you know, it's all these very quick shots, um, as she's, you know, score. getting stabbed and the score going on. It's not. It, it, it's a you know it's a decently linked scene, but it's not a long scene to be like wow this it took seven days to film this. And something else I don't know if I put it in my notes, but there's a, a urban legend going around that Hitchcock turned on the cold water to get a natural screen primer. She said that's not true. She said you know they were very nice to her. They kept the water warm for her and everything. So that cut that myth right there in half. You know. I mean that that's good to get it out there because there are so many people, including myself, that heard that myth and I'm like wow that's terrible. Right. Uh, but no, it's good to know that that's a myth and that they were making sure that they took care of their actors and actresses. Right. In the book, Alfred Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho, author Stephen Ribello claims Hitchcock was displeased with the performance of Sam Lewis, who was played by John Gavin, and called him the stiff. <laughs> <laughs> because he was not his first choice to play that part. But that's what the um, Universal or Paramount wanted to cast as in that role probably due to like contracting rules or something like yeah, that right. yeah the sound the knife makes penetrating the flesh in the shower scene is actually the sound of a staff of a knife stabbing into a cassava melon that i did know and i still find that super interesting on 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 the links that in both movies and video games to get certain sound effects the, the things they the, do the, so creative in the things that they do to get a these lot of it's just effects. common stuff you find around your house exactly uh, there was a canvas chair left on the set with the name Mrs. Bates. Everyone kept wondering who was going to play Mrs. Bates. And I'm still not going to tell you till the end of this podcast in case you haven't watched this movie yet. Even though we gave you the warning earlier. Right. <laughs> if, you haven't gone, if you haven't gone to watch it, go watch it right. right now. In 1992, this movie was selected for preservation by the Library of Congress at the National Film Registry. Huh. That's awesome. That is pretty awesome. That so I didn't one, know. Yeah. It's really awesome. Janet Lee and Anthony Perkins were both asked about being stereotyped forever for their roles in this movie. They have both said in interviews that they would rather be remembered forever in this classic movie than to not be remembered at all. And that's a good point. That's a very good point. I mean, they came out on top, I think. Because, I mean, as an actor or actress, you, you never know when, like, okay, this is my big one and it's all not going to ever hit this mark it again. It could be your last it one. It could too. be your last one. So, uh, 
it, it's it's very difficult when it comes to typecasting. Like typecasting is terrible, but it's, sometimes it's necessary. Right. Uh, and some people don't mind it. Some people do. It's it's really well. Take for instance Harrison Ford. He oh, yeah. hates being known as Han Solo. That's he very true. It. Yeah. That's why he wanted him killed off in the Last Jedi. Yep. Because he's like, hey, look, I, I'm I'm past this role. Like I don't I don't want anything to do right. with the role anymore. <laughs> Hitchcock was ill when the crew shot Arbogast going up the stairs in the house. When Hitchcock saw it, he reshot the scene. The other scene seemed like he was going upstairs to kill someone. Huh. Yeah, this is another famous scene. Hitchcock often teased that Mrs. Bates would be played by Judith Anderson, who played Mrs. Danvers in Rebecca. Have you ever seen Rebecca? I haven't seen Rebecca. I'm going to have to check that out. You need to. It's an older movie. It's not bad. On a TV show interview, Hitchcock said that the shower scene was shot so fast that it took 78 pieces of film in 45 seconds. Wow. I mean, wow. That's pretty quick. Editing room must have had a ball yeah. with that one. Yeah, I can't imagine it. And especially that. because, I mean, for those who don't know uh, how old editing rooms used to be, is you would take the film itself and you'd have to cut it and then physically glue it together in order to edit all the scenes together. So ever, a lot was going on. Side note, you ever wonder what happens to all the editing pieces that didn't make it? Do they burn it? Do they store it somewhere? I'll have to look. Do you know? I don't know. I'll have to look into that. I would be interested. I mean, if you could uncover a vault of all these older movies with these stills, how much do you think they would go for today? I mean, it's unreal. Right? It'd be awesome to have some. Let's see here. Uh, the trailer for this film was shot after the movie. Janet Lee was no longer available, so Vera Miles stepped in for the shower scenes in the trailer. Which is amazing because today they just take parts of the movie and put it into the trailer. Pretty Back much. then, they shot their trailer after the movie and had to redo the whole thing. Wow. Think it took another seven days? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> the film has been rated several different times throughout the years, from PG to BG-13 to 15, and finally to R. Where it currently stands. It currently stands, right. Um, the car dealership was actually Harry Mars, Mar, Mayer's used car lot near Universal Studios. Is that still there? I don't know, Didn't actually. Uh, since Ford Motor Company uh, was the sponsor of his TV show, they moved all shiny new Fords onto the lot where she goes <laughs> to switch out her car. I mean, that's good like marketing right marketing. there. I mean, talk about marketing even back then. I mean, Right. Hitchcock, Free plug. Yeah, I mean, he's like, hey, well, since you t- treat me good on my TV show, guess what? I'm going to put you in this movie. Hitchcock was originally disappointed with this movie. He almost scrapped and edited it down to one of his television shows. Oof. That was until he watched the movie with the music and realized, oh, this is going to work. Because he loved that the music. The music so really much. does make or break. There's so many things that can make or break a movie. It's astounding. Because like, you can film the movie. Your actors could be on point. Everything could be on point. But now at that point, the editing is a huge part of the process. So if you if you don't have a good editor, that could make that could break your movie. Uh, if you don't have a good sound score, that could break your movie. So it's just uh, you have to have all those elements together. And it's a good thing that he waited on that decision until he listened to it exactly, with the score. Exactly, because I mean it would have been a, a tragedy of cinema if this would have been downgraded exactly. to a TV show. It was Hitchcock's last theatrical movie in black and white. Psycho was filmed from November 30th, 1959 to February 1st, 1960. You know what? It also seems like back then that movies were shot at a quicker pace than they are today. It does. Because, I mean, that was only four months, three months. And today it takes anywhere from eight to 11 months. You know what I mean? All these people have Yeah, quite some time. Now, there's something that I found when I was watching the movie. Vera Miles wears a wig for this movie. She had shaved her head for her role in Five Branded Women. If you look closely, which I did, you can see where the makeup stops on the top of her forehead due to the hairline. Huh. Where the wig and the hairline yeah. is. You can yeah. see it's like a little white mark. Yeah. I mean, it, now, did you see that uh, just randomly? or just, like? Well, before I dove in, I watched rewatched the movie. Yeah. And I was like, well, I, you know, I heard that one of them, I didn't know if it was her or Janet. Had okay, her, yeah. And then I was like, it's got to be her. <laughs> That's one of those small things. There's also, things. this isn't in my notes, but I was watching the movie and when she steals the money and she goes back to her apartment or whatever, I was looking in the background at different pictures and stuff and it looks like she's look, in, her, in her bathroom in the shower. It looks like there's like a, a trunk or a suitcase or something in the tub 
I need to go back and double check that, but I have not seen anybody say anything about that because I thought, oh, this might be her closet. Well, no, she goes get stuff out of the closet. So I need to go back and double check on that. But yeah, and then we'll report findings in like a you a know bonus episode. Yeah, bonus episode where we just go over stuff that we missed. Right, which we are be having a Wizard of Oz one here pretty soon because I found so much more for it oh, that yeah. I want to put in there. The amount Anthony Perkins was paid for his role in Psycho, $40,000. What's great about this is it's the exact amount of money that Marion Crane stole at the beginning of the movie. Which was going to be used to buy a house. Uh, it was it was a house. It was a uh, wedding present for this owner's daughter. She yeah. was buying her house, forty thousand yep. dollars cash. The psychiatrist's explanation at the end of the movie has said to be one of the worst scenes in the movie. Hitchcock even hated it because he felt like it took away from the big reveal in the movie. But ultimately, it was left in there to help people understand the ending of the film, and because the studios wanted to lighten the mood after the events of the movie. Yeah, that does seem like a studio plug. Right. Yeah. I mean, they could have took that whole the whole psycho- psychiatrist out of it and just, you know, when they go into the, the room at the end yep. where he's in there, then I think it would have just been just as equivalently as impactful. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. I mean, for some people that didn't know what was going on, I think it's good that they left it in there, too. So I can see it both ways. Norman Bates is ranked the second greatest villain on AFI's 100 Years of Heroes and Villains. And now, is, is that current? Still, is, I, it stands I, today, or I don't know. But I have I to mean, look I, into that. I mean, that's that's. I mean, he's still crazy. he's still got to be up there. Oh yeah. Um, it was also ranked. Uh, the movie was ranked number one on AFI 100 Years of Films or uh, Thrills Film Series, so it got a number one ranking there. Nice. Um, while I'm here, I don't know if we covered it, but the awards that this one. That's right. So you want to go ahead and plug that in? Uh, here? Yeah. So. There was or didn't win, more nominees than anything, so this didn't win anything as far as you know Academy Awards goes. Um, and I'll, I'll just go over the big ones. And so they got two big nominations, and that was Best Supporting Actress, uh, Janet Lee, and was beaten by uh, it was Shirley Jones and Elmer Garney. I I actually don't know how to say this movie, and I've never heard of this movie before. I have before. not heard of it either. But it was all over the nominations. I'm going to have to at least look it up, if not check out the movie myself, to see what this Elmer Garney is. And to see if it was really better than Psycho. Exactly, because her role in that was, was great. Um, and then Best Director, obviously Alfred Hitchcock for Psycho, nomination. The winner was... Billy Wilder in The Apartment, for directing The Apartment. I haven't seen that one either. But Next. is that the one with Jack Lemmon in it? Was it Jack Lemmon? I, I believe it was Jack Lemmon because he got uh, Best actor? No, no, actor. Yeah, I believe so. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that was shocking was the absence of Best Actor. For Anthony Perkins? For Anthony Perkins. Because he did such a good job he in this movie. nailed it. There is a particular scene in the movie where he's talking to... Uh, <clears throat> Marion. Ma- yeah, she, he's talking to Marion. And it starts off like a normal conversation. Then he gets mad at her. And then he brings it back again. Right. And then just that transition and those, the, this facial, just everything, just nailed it. You can and tell you can he was about feel to snap. Yeah, you know, you could, and then you he reeled it back in. You're like, it. oh, this guy's got some mommy issues. Exactly. And <laughs> it's such powerful acting. And to not even get nominated, I think, is a huge slap in the face. Yeah. I really do think he at least should get nominated. I want to watch the movies just to see... Why he didn't get nominated. And you know what? You're really going to be upset when you're going to be like, there's no way they should have won this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like every year was of that, Academy Awards. Was that the Awards, only two you had? Uh, those are the two big ones. Okay. Let me actually uh, go over some more, and then I, I actually have to pull up uh, some other ones that I have saved okay. here. Here's another interesting fact. Norman Bates, when talking to Marion Crane in the parlor, tells her that his father died when he was the age of five, so mother had to raise him all by herself. In a twist of fate, Anthony Perkins, who played Norman, was an only child whose father died when he was just five years old and his mother raised him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Talk about the similarities there. Very. And, you know, maybe that's why he nailed this part so he related to this part so much. The scene where the police officer stops Marion Crane was shot on Golden State Highway. Have you ever been on the Golden State Highway? I probably have. I've been. Yeah, I've been all over. Psycho was voted 7th Scariest Movie of All Time by Entertainment Weekly. 
Hmm. Yeah, also, that, that makes sense. That makes it is sense. also ranked as the 14th greatest movie of all time in 2007. Dig it. Now, here you go. This is the one that you I don't think you know, but we talked about a movie that was inspired by Psycho. Yes. John Carpenter was inspired by Psycho when making Halloween in 1978. Janet Lee played Jamie Lee Curtis's secretary in this movie. Actually, did you know, Janet Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother in real life. And Carpenter couldn't be happier when she auditioned for the role in Halloween. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if you were super inspired by a movie and everyone involved in it, and for someone you see to somebody. show up and be like, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. We could just cut the auditions now because you're hired. Exactly. So uh, real quick, I did want to bring up some of the other awards that this movie had won or got nominated for. So during the Globe and Glo- Golden Globes, uh, Janet Lee did win Best Supporting Actress there. Uh, during the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, USA, uh, it won the Saturn Award, which is Best DVD Blu-ray Collection. Uh, doesn't give it up. Oh, that was in 2013, so way later when they re-came out sure. with Hitchcock's sure. Collection, uh, they won an award for that. Um, some other you know obscure awards. Uh, then there was during the Bambi Awards, 1961, uh, which was also the year that they got their Academy nominees. Uh, during the Bambi Awards in 1961, uh, Best Actor International, Anthony Perkins. So at least he was recognized in some other form, but I really wish he was in the Academy Award right. where it does matter. Right. But it's, it's just awesome that he – you can tell that he played the part so well that he got nominated at least for a lot of awards too. Exactly. Even though he exactly. didn't win them. And those those are the biggest notable awards that they won. And there's a, a lot of like, you know, obscure sort of uh, uh, award – sections and stuff like that yeah what was those two earlier that you said they weren't they were lesser known was it oscar or uh the one the a cat which ones was it the um like the uh are you talking about the other movies that beat no there was two awards that were not the the top tier but they, they were underneath in the uh, golden globes or whatever Oh, well, we can oh, oh yeah or okay you know so what? um during the okay so the academy awards uh, they got a nomination for Best Cinematography Definitely. in Black and White category. Uh, they also got a nomination for Best Art Direction slash Set Decoration uh, for Black and White Movie. And you know what's really interesting about this is with that um, only $806,000 to do this movie. So they got nominated for Academy Awards and stuff with a oh, lower yeah. budget than other movies. Was that all? Which the, mean, uh... mean, yeah, that, that was okay. everything. And that, that just shows how much care was put into... Uh, creating the scene and the set and But also, he, he, he was doing Alfred Hitchcock Presents on the TV show, so I'm sure he reused some of his, you know, Absolutely. set from the TV show to the movie. All right, back to it. Three actresses all recorded Mrs. Bates' dialogue. They were mixed together till they found the perfect fit. First build, Anthony Perkins doesn't even make an appearance till 27 minutes into the film. What's even worse than that? Second build, Vera Miles, waits even longer. She finally makes an appearance at the 57-minute mark. So your top two build actor and actress, they don't even make it for like the first half hour of the movie. And that's that's a very interesting way to go about things. Because a lot of people thought Janet Lee was going to be a main character in this movie because she was on the poster. Exactly. And I think that's part of the reason why Hitchcock wanted to keep it hush-hush. You know what I mean? The movie takes place in December 1959. You can see Christmas decorations during the film. The 1957 Ford sedan that Marion Crane drove is the exact same car that the Cleaver family drove in Leave It to Beaver in 1957. Gotta love recycling. Have you ever seen Leave It to Beaver? Oh, yeah. Okay, I was going to say. <laughs> um, Psycho was the fifth and final time that Alfred Hitchcock was nominated for an Oscar for Best Director, although he never won one. Man, that's, that's a shame. That, that, that's a big shame. Uh, the shower scene was shot from December 17th through December 23rd. It has 77 different camera angles and includes 50 cuts. That, yeah, that's, that's in, intense filming. I mean, that's, just to, just to nail it, it took a whole week to do that. But I mean, that, that just shows that he knew exactly what he wanted when it came to a vision. To have 77 different angles and to pull that all together and know exactly what you want it to look like. And for that to come together in the end like it did... 
Well, you got to remember also that Janet Lee only had three weeks to shoot this film. Exactly. So that means all of her other work in this movie was done in two weeks. Yep. Wow. Uh, there's a scene where there's a record showing on Norman Bates' record player is Eroica, which is a Ludwig von Beethoven's Third Symphony. Classic. Yeah. So if you haven't heard it, pull it up, check it out. Ted Knight, Ted Baxter, from Mary Tyler Moore, also known for his role as the uptight judge in Caddyshack movie, makes an appearance in this movie. He is one of the guards opening the door at the end of the movie to bring Norman a blanket. And there's actually another cameo in this movie, and uh, that wait, is... You're going to so go ahead? Yeah. Uh, did, uh, did, were we going to say that one later? No, or? I was going to say it until the end, but you can go ahead and do it. Uh, okay. Um, Alfred Hitchcock's daughter, Patricia Hitchcock, made a appearance in the film also as the secretary at the... Um, the receptionist. The, the, the receptionist, that's at right. At the beginning of the at movie. the beginning of the movie. Where Marion Crane works um, at uh, Lowry Real Estate. And that that's a cool little, little insert there. Right. Everyone in this movie is seen in a mirror except Norman Bates. Reflections are often used to imply schizophrenia. So usually, Once again, it's those little, those little, little subtle things that are great. Right. The first scene shot was Marion being awakened by the police officer as she was taking a nap on the side of the road. There has been a false story saying that George Reeves of Superman fame was hired to play Detective Milton Arbogast and filmed a few scenes with the rest of the cast just a week before his death. This is not true and completely false. George Reeves died on June 16, 1960, two months before Hitchcock even decided to make this movie. That's crazy. It's funny how people just throw names out there and say, oh, well, I heard, you know, George Reeves was going to be, in, you know, he already shot some scenes and they had to cancel it because he, you know, died. Exactly, and, yeah. And then it just snowballs and it just becomes a, a myth. Next urban thing legend you know, everybody starts telling everybody and then... right. Fiction becomes fact, and then back to fiction when we finally debunk it, which right. we're doing right now. <laughs> uh, here's another fact. The uh, map on the wall behind the psychiatrist at the end of the movie is of Shasta County, California. I actually don't know where that is. Really? No. And you're from California? <laughs> I stick to Ventura, L.A. County. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the scene where Lila Crane is standing outside of the hardware store shows rakes on display that look like hands are reaching out to grab her. I thought that was pretty well that, done. Yeah, that is very well done. <laughs> this is Janet Lee's only Oscar-nominated performance, as we mentioned already. Now, I don't know what other movies she's uh, showed up in. I'm to, not really sure to, to know if that, like, she was either, you know, this was her big movie, or if maybe there's another movie that she kind of just robbed. I know she had a couple from. other movies yeah. in it, but I don't know if she was ever nominated. You know, well, I mean, she had to definitely be casted in something right. after this movie. And maybe even before, I do believe. Oh, yeah. In Psycho 2, Anthony Perkins, Vera Miles, and Virginia Gregg, who was one of the voices of Mrs. Bates, um, are the only ones that reprise their roles. Several people played Norma Bates in this movie, whether by voice only or in a costume. Well, here we go. We're going to tell the secret here, as Anthony Perkins was shown. So if you haven't caught on by now, the actual killer in this movie, Mrs. Bates, is played by Norman Bates, which is played by Anthony Perkins. Yep. Um, but the way they get there makes you think that she's a different person altogether. Oh, yeah. It's and so... then the way it's filmed is very much just to keep that secret until it's time for the reveal. Well, well, what really threw me on that is that they had that voice, you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't really, the voice isn't really talking, or it's really Norman talking, or it's in his head, but you don't realize that because it even shows him like picking her up out of the bed and carrying her, and she's yep. like, put me down, Norman. You know what I mean? And it yeah. was so well done. The storytelling was just so amazing. In a foreshadowing event, the police officer tells Marion Crane she should have slept in a hotel to be safe. <laughs> I was like, really? Gotta love those precursors. <laughs> uh, Marion Crane's love interest was Sam Loomis in Psycho. In Halloween, the doctor's name was Samuel Loomis, as we stated Janet Lee's daughters, Jamie Lee Curtis, also starred. So there you see he named the uh, detective after Sam Loomis. Yeah, another, another, another homage right? in his movie. Here's one. Do you know who the Partridge family is? I do not. Okay, it was a TV show about a, a mother and her kids that went around singing, traveling on a bus. Oh, okay. Okay. But the Partridge family mother, Shirley Jones, auditioned and almost got the part of Marion Crane. Oh, wow. Yeah. So those of you that are of an older generation like I am, you'll you'll understand who the Partridge family is. Janet Lee, Vera Miles, and John Gavin all have played parts on episodes of Fantasy Island, 
as well as the Love Boat TV shows. And I'm sure you don't know what those are either. Do I actually do know what those are. Both of them? Yeah. I, wow. I mean, I know of them. I haven't watched them, but I do know of them. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Those I were, mean, those were very prominent TV shows. Those were big when, when they were little. out. Absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hitchcock wanted to test out the corpse of Mrs. Bates, so he hid it in Janet Lee's dressing room and waited to see how loud she screamed when she discovered it. He was a prankster. Oh, I like yeah. it. So I guess it was pretty good. I mean, that's the best way to test out if something looks real or not. <laughs> Can you imagine how mad was she? Not only had she been doing the shower scene for seven days, I hope we right. waited until the seventh day and then she just broke loose. <laughs> Some people miss the ending. The last shot of Norman Bates's face has a still frame of a human skull superimposed over it. The skull is that of Mother. This turns into the scene where the chain is pulling the car out of the swamp. The chain is placed so it appears to be moving where Norman's or Mother's heart would be, showing the two still tied or linked together. That I did notice when I first watched this movie. I and mean, I, that's you can just still see, a, yeah. even though he has that split personality, you can still see that they're still tied together at the end Absolutely, of the movie. Absolutely, yeah. Contrary to popular belief, Hitchcock did not make the shower go cold, as we had talked earlier, to get a scream for Janet Lee. This urban legend became to surface on the Universal Studios tour of it. Janet Lee said that the crew took good care of her and kept the water warm for the whole week. Anthony Perkins was not the only one in costume stabbing Marion Crane in the shower. Hitchcock feared the silhouette of his frame would give him away. So it wasn't Anthony Perkins dressed up. Because if you would have seen that in the movie where she pulled the curtain back and you've seen that, you would have known it was Anthony Perkins. Yeah. So, when and so I once that, again, it's just really making sure that he's throwing you detours do not at know. you. Oh, exactly. yeah. So many red herrings at you just so you can't find out. Exactly. Uh, Janet Lee's body double is uh, obvious when she is pulled from the shower. Her toenails are painted while Janet had clear nails during the showering. That's scene, hilarious. Now, I, I did want to jump back to the one we re, uh, where they use a different act, uh, actor for um, that scene. Sure. I, I do think a lot of movies should take note of that. Because there are a lot of movies where the killer is unknown and I'll be watching it and I can immediately tell... Like, oh, I mean, you can tell just by the frame of this person that you know who this is. I mean, right. you can just to go the little bit extra mile to put somebody else in that's, you know, disguised just so you, to throw you off. So you can't tell. So when you finally hit that moment when they're revealed, it has that much more impact. You're like, oh, wow, I had no idea. But also the lighting that they used, the shadowing of the lighting, because you didn't get a real good exactly. clear look. And it just made it so much more intense. Um, also, when Norman drags uh, the body out of the shower in a curtain... She is wearing panties. I don't know about you, but I don't wear my underwear or panties when I shower, so that must have been a slip up, you know. I wear my panties when I shower. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, and the one thing that we always like to close the movie, the section out is with the wages of the movie, the, the people that were getting paid. I could only find two. I did a lot of time searching and researching this, but as we stated earlier, Anthony Perkins made forty thousand uh, dollars for this movie, but also Janet Lee made $25,000 for this movie and she only worked three weeks. I don't know how much um, the other two made or the other three made in this movie, but I hope and they kind of got it closer than the Wizard yeah. of Oz. So Terrence, what do you think of, uh, what do you think of this movie? What's your opinions on this movie? What would you rate it? One to 10. So going back to thinking about the, the rating scale in general, um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the one to 10 rating scale just because right. it's, it, there are some movies that are still very watchable that are within like the four or five range, but some people would be like, ah, they got rated four or five. I'm not going to watch it, right? Right, right? But right. it's still very much worth your time. Now, this movie in particular, I could easily give it a nine, right? Uh, e probably even a ten, especially looking at all the other movies at that time. I, I really do love this movie. It really did set the tone for horror movies following. Uh, there were so many things it did. It broke down barriers, uh, you know, film-wise. It's it's a really good movie. Um, I personally would like to, from here on, uh, rate it on sort of a, it's a absolutely, you have to watch this movie. Watch this movie if this is up your alley. Um, or it's it's a niche movie. You can pass on it. You know, right. kind, of the, kind of that scale. And this one is, if you are a fan of suspense and horror, it's an absolute must-see. If you're not a fan of that movie, that type of movie, um, I would hesitantly approach this movie because this movie still gives me chills watching it, especially yeah. as we were talking about earlier. There's a scene where it uh, shows where 
the bed on, on where the the corpse of mother was, and right. it's, it's sunken in, oh, and it just so good. It, it, it just sends like creepy chills. Uh, how long would she had to have been laying there dead for that know, to for happen. that to happen? Yeah, man. Something else. I'm gonna throw this in here. I I didn't write it down, but do you know how mother died? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. At least I don't I, remember. I, I can't remember if it was from the book. I think it was more from the book than the movie because they didn't really talk about it in the movie. But obviously she was a widow and she started dating another guy. And hmm. they were going to get married and they told Norman about it. Well, Norman poisoned them both, killed them both. Oh, man. Yeah. That's crazy. It's so much more deeper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once you, once you read the book and then you see the movie because the book has all these, like even the $40,000 at the beginning, there's so much more information there. And you'll have to tell me how the book is. I know, I know you're reading you it right it, now, yeah. The, you know. But uh, I, I, I'd agree with you. I'd say a, a nine. I mean, it's very... I mean, this movie, the first time I watched it, scared me. I mean, scared me. Absolutely. Um, but then as I got older and I rewatched it, it's not so much scared me anymore, but I enjoyed the, 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 the whole storytelling, the lighting, the camera, the acting. It's Absolutely. all just fantastic. So if you haven't seen this movie... I would recommend you see it. Terrence has recommended you see it. You should have watched it before this podcast. True, because we always <laughs> give the name of the next movie we're going to be reviewing. But if we understand, if you want, to, if there's some movie that you just want to pass on, we understand that too. But we're just trying to give you our opinions of the movies. Exactly. That we think you should, if, if we think you should only watch it once and never watch it again, we'll let you know that too. And that's actually why I would rate it within the 9 range. and Maybe even an 8, just because it's never as good as the absolute first time. Because when you watch it the first time, it... All of it is very shocking, and and it just really hits you in a way uh, that it will only hit you that way the first time. Now, the second time, that is when you start looking for those, you know, the symbolism of everything, all the background things, those little tells. And that's always fun, but you're not getting as impacted as you are the very first time you watch it. Right. Excellent movie. I mean, I can't highly rate it. Yeah. All right, well, we're closing, coming down to the close of this episode, but uh, we was, we did say we would read any emails or um, any reviews that we got on iTunes. Yep. So I'm going to go ahead and read the ones that we got so far. Uh, this one is a five-star, great movie podcast. This is from Unicorn5419. Very informative and fun podcast reviewing movies. Enjoyed the banter and all the historical data and can't wait for more episodes. Well, we look forward to filming them. The next one is a five-star, great show. This is by Sam Furdem. Extremely informative. Can't wait for episode two. Well, here it is. <laughs> Here's another one. Uh, five star. Fantastic facts. Fun. These guys know what they're talking about. Want to know more about a movie or what happens behind the scenes or just some fun facts? Well, here, here, then here is where you will get that. They do a great job presenting the info. Sound audio is clear. Great job, guys. Those were the iTunes review. Now, we also had one uh, email. Uh, which is the tragedy of cinema at gmail.com. If you would like to write us in, we will read it on the air. This was love your podcast of the wizard of Oz. Just wanted to drop you a line. I really like the first podcast you guys made and I'm looking forward to the next one. Keep up the good work and thanks Michael Goodman. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. So um, as I said earlier, we do have the contest going on. I'm going to read these names. Hopefully I don't slaughter them. So, um, I'm going to give you your number, and then we're going to do a random number generator. So and then announce the winner. Announce the winner, and then I'll get a hold of you. Um, the first one, number one, is Linda O'Rind. Number two, Krista Sofka. Number three, Karen Ashley. Number four, Jerry Pauly. Number five, Emily Aya Connelly. Number six, Samuel Farrell. Number seven, Celeste Proctor. Number eight, Brad Presnell. Number nine, Patrick Sheehan. Number 10, Mike Goodman. Number 11, Lori Worgan West. And number 12, Patricia McCauley. 13, Brendan Cannon. And number 14, Natasha Anker. So and we just want to give you know a special thanks to everybody who participated. Uh, exactly. That means a lot to us, uh, especially this early uh, on in our show. It, it's, it's great to see the support. And we're also going to we're gonna try to do some other contests in the future. So keep a lookout on the social media. Um, my page if you want to follow me or whatever we are still working on a facebook fan page where we'll post a lot of this stuff so with that being said terrence would you like to hit the randomized number here and see what number is going to win all right so hit that bad boy beep it is number 13 brendan cannon congratulations you have the alfred hitchcock <laughs> pop head so um i know how to get a hold of you uh, i'll get a hold of you and let me know where to ship it to and we'll ship it to you for our next movie we have chosen 
Another one of my childhood favorites. I'm so excited for this. You have <laughs> oh, yeah. no idea. I, mean, I don't even think you were born yet. What year were you born? I was born in 1990. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. were nowhere near born <laughs> no. yet. So the next but my, my, my parents made sure I saw the good stuff. Well, that's good, though. You had good parents. So for our next movie, we are going to be doing a Disney movie from 1982, Tron. 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 It's such a good movie. I... I love Tron and, so and much. And the reason we're doing this is there's a lot of information I do not know about the background of Tron or anything about it. I it's, know I enjoyed the movie. Yes. But same. I know nothing about it. So exactly. this is going to be a learning lesson for us, too. Both so. of us, yeah. It's going to be really exciting to take a deeper look into a movie that we both just love and enjoy. And that we know nothing about. Exactly. So everything's going to be like, what? Exactly. <laughs> So, again, thanks for listening. Um, we will be doing another uh, bonus episode of The Wizard of Oz 2 here shortly in a, a week or two. Uh, maybe get two we'll episodes. We'll figure it out. we got to figure out where right. it fits within our, our schedule and right. everything. But we're definitely looking to do little bonus episodes where... Uh, we like to call them mini-sodes. Mini-sodes <laughs> where we... Uh, sort of give information that we might have missed the first go-around. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe if there's... A little bit for multiple episodes. Maybe we can put it all in one yeah, episode. Yeah, just it together. Exactly. And be like, hey, here's a bunch of information uh, that is very fascinating and we missed on the first go. So here's a mini-sode to you know, put that put information out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that'd be fun. Well, with that being said, I believe episode two of Psycho uh, is... Wait, one last thing. Oh. You can find us on Google Play, Stitcher. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify... Yeah, and, and I believe still, that's it. Yeah, I'm working on the other ones. I'm still having a little technical difficulties on the other ones, like SoundHound. Yeah, those are the big ones, right. though. Um, let us know, you know, via comment or email if you know anybody uses any other resource. Uh, I believe we hit the big ones, but we definitely want to make sure that we get what people use. Also, if you would like to leave us a review um, on iTunes, even if you don't have an Apple iPhone or anything, you can create an iTunes account and. Uh, leave us a review that way, and we will read it on the air in any emails we get. Also, if you have a suggestion of a movie you would like for us to cover, we haven't received any yet, but that you would like for us to cover an older movie, not anything totally new, we won't mind looking at it and giving you a review, looking up some history on that, too. That'd be fun. Yeah, That'd absolutely. Fun. So with that being said, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. And cut! cut.